Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. My name is Mickey. I'm a worship arts coordinator at Baylife Church. And I'm Travis, and I'm the teaching pastor at Baylife Church. And we want to welcome you to the Stone Table. Travis, it is another week of the Stone Table. It is another week. Things have changed again. Yes. I feel like every week we say things have changed. Well, you Life know. Life moves fast. It's true. It's really true. And every week we just have a new update, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So you guys are finding us today uh, a house divided. Yeah, we're at war with one another. We are. And the reason for this is because our our office is doing like a, a turkey trot. I think it's what it's called. Yeah, it's like a step counting competition. It is. So every department is kind of competing against all the other departments. And the winner will be whoever averages the most steps. Yeah. So Travis What, what and do I, we win if we win? Are they crowned I don't the, know. the king of Baylife Church? The king I think or queen? so. Yeah. We'll have to double check with Pastor Tom. But um, <laughs> the idea is for all of us to have fun and compete and, you mm-hmm. know, get really healthy and whatnot, which yeah. is all fun and games unless you're competitive. Right. So Travis and I are unfortunately not technically in the same department. So we are competing against one another. Yeah. So I've been subtly undermining your thing by turning off like your step counter on your phone. You have? No, I have. Oh my that. gosh. That would be super malicious. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, however, we have been going on walks. It's true. Um, yeah. And Travis yesterday actually said, you know, I can carry your phone for you. And at first I was like, oh, that's so nice. And then I said, no. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to carry it because I want my accurate steps. And because I have shorter legs. I feel like you probably get more steps. I probably get more steps, but hey, it's more work for me. I'm shorter. So I said, uh, thank you for the offer. I don't know if you meant for that to be. I was just trying to be a good husband and bear Mm. your burdens. Well, you are a great husband. Shucks. But in this case, I think I will track my own steps. So yeah, this week we're we're actually probably for the next few weeks, right? Because it goes up until Thanksgiving. Yes, it does. So you guys can be a... Rooting for us, whether you are Team Travis or Team Mickey, but uh, (laughs) maybe that can be a thing. Yeah, Team Travis. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so maybe we can update uh, our Instagram with our progress, separate progress, right? Because we're competing against each other. So yeah, we'll have to let you guys know for anyone who's interested. It hasn't resulted in any like arguments or feuds, so that's good. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see as the the race heats up. (laughs) Right. So today on the show, we are sitting down with Joe Mustin and I... I've got to tell you, and I know I say this every week, it's true every week, but especially this week, I am (laughs) so, so, so excited about this interview. Joe Mustin is a legendary hardcore punk musician. He played drums and did backing vocals in the post-hardcore metalcore band Beloved. Mm. He sang for the hardcore band Advent. He also plays drums in the rock band The Almost, Mm -hmm. and he is a middle school pastor in North Carolina. He is. And every one of those bands that Travis just mentioned, he has a t-shirt for them. I do. So yes. Travis has been following uh, our friend Joe for a while now in yeah. the music world. So you need to know this was me like interviewing one of my like <laughs> hardcore punk heroes who yes. also has followed Jesus faithfully for his whole life. And so 
uh, man, this was so cool for me because I remember going to see Joe's bands mm-hmm. and getting the snot kicked out of me in the mosh pit. Yeah, Travis but, tells a great story about how he broke his foot at one of Joe's shows. So yeah. stay tuned for that. So that's cool. <laughs> but but we talk about uh, life. We talk about ministry. We talk about music. We talk about being a Christian in the hardcore punk subculture mm-hmm. and also how sort of the hardcore punk ethic affects the way that he does ministry now. So this is right up my alley. This is one of my favorite interviews that we've gotten to do. And I am yeah. so excited to share our conversation with Joe. So with that being said, I'm Travis. And I'm Mickey. And this is The Stone Table. So Joe, I have been uh, super excited to have this conversation. I've been a huge fan of all of your bands since I was in like high school and I think in the initial the initial Facebook or Instagram message I sent you, I told you like I broke my foot during an Advent set <laughs> in 2008. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Man, I, I'm honestly I'm honored to be here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm uh, I'm I'm so excited. Where, where was that broken foot? Where did that happen? So you were on tour with Call to Preserve, and you were playing in uh, a venue called The Porch in Brandon, it Florida. Yeah. And you were playing, I think you were playing one crushing blow and someone crushed my foot and I couldn't walk for like a week and a half. <laughs> so I remember that show being very rowdy. Yeah. Yeah. Like pretty crazy. It, it was. <laughs> when was that? What year was that? Uh, 2008, 2009. Wow. Maybe. Or was it 2010? That was 2009. Okay. Uh, Naked and Cold had just come out. Yeah, it had. It was getting ready to come out. It's like we toured right before the album or right after the album had come out. Yeah. 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 It was, I mean, you, you weren't around for that. I um, wasn't, but, but it, it, it was, it was a thing of beauty. It I was, believe it. I believe it. Yeah. He's committed. It was, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I remember that show really well. Uh, <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Every time I run, I remember it because my love. Yeah. Hurts, he talks so. about it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, Joe, I wanted to ask you, uh, do you have any crazy tour stories? Because you've been a part of many bands and you've toured before for a long, long time. And I know that I've heard Travis uh, tell me crazy tour stories from his own experiences. So I wanted to know, do you have anything that you just yeah. will never forget? Any any sort of experience that on tour? That you can share on the air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like Travis's stories are going to be way crazier than mine. <laughs> figuring out what band you play in. I mean, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, so we all know the there's obviously like crazy fight stories. Like, wow, a 50-person fight doesn't really even bother me anymore. Yeah, sure. Brother telling him stories. He does like prison ministry. So he's, and he loves just those people. That's mm-hmm. That's like his family, you know. And so he likes a rough crowd. I like a rough crowd. And I'm just <laughs> laughing with him about how, like, some of my stories when they when I'm at work, which I work at a church, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to tell stories from years past, I kind of <laughs> have a moment where I'm like, okay, maybe Miss Joyce doesn't want to hear a story about <laughs> a 50-person fight at the, at the, what is it called, the State Theater mm-hmm. at, uh, in uh, Ybor or uh, St. Pete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe she doesn't want to hear that. So I kind of back it down and I try to, but um, <laughs> all of that stuff, all the hardcore stuff is crazy. One of my favorite things to talk about is just kind of one of those stories that has more to do with association. Okay. So from the beloved days and the Abbott days, we met, 
you know, we knew the Under Oak guys and all this kind of stuff. We did lots of tours with the Under Oak guys. Mm-hmm. Obviously, anyone in Florida is going to know the, who Under Oak is. Right. Yeah. Beyond, people just know. So we we met some of the Paramore people through them, mm-hmm. and we ended up going to a Paramore show. I took my to I took my wife mm-hmm. Emily. So me and Emily, and then my friend Johnny, who was in Advent and was in Beloved, also the bass player, mm-hmm. yeah. his wife. So us four went to go see Paramore. Well, Paramore was not just playing by themselves. They were opening for John Mayer. Oh, so, oh okay. Which is well outside of the hardcore realm. Right, right. right. Yeah. For me, this is like, it's all interconnected somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I've, always been a, I've always loved pop and rock music. Not mm-hmm. necessarily like... Uh, super electronic-y. I don't even know how to talk about sure, yeah. music in an appropriate way. I just like rock, like yeah. good rock, like guys holding guitars and, uh, you know, somebody playing the drums and whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's just my so, Guitar rock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, yes, great. Thank you. Yeah. So I love <laughs> that kind of stuff. Huge fan of John Mayer for lots of years. Somehow, because of us knowing Paramore, we end up at this show. We watch the whole show. It's awesome. Their security guy texts me, who's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was Graham. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, do you want to come hang out on the bus? We're like, yeah, that's cool. So we go hang out with some of the Paramore peeps. And um, that was really cool. And then they brought us into their dressing room inside of the venue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge, huge amphitheater thing. Um, and in my head, I was like, man, it would be super cool if I just happened to pass John in the hall. And it's like, great show you know and then yeah. he's like man and i'm like whoa and that's like the moment mm-hmm. dude we're in their room they have to go off to a signing okay uh-huh. they're going for like an hour and a half but about five minutes in after they're gone a knock on the door no way nice my wife gets up and she's like she's the biggest john mayer fan at this yeah. point mm-hmm. that's like her thing he was dating jennifer aniston at, the, at this oh okay he's having the fantasy of like Maybe Jennifer Aniston will be in the hall. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but knock on the door. She goes and opens the door, turns around, and her face is like <laughs> red as like a firecracker, dude. <laughs> like, it's so I knew in a moment. And then he just kind of peeks his head and was like, hey, uh, are the Paramore people here? And, you know, we're just kind of like, I'm like, yeah. melt to the seat, don't know what to say, <laughs> like frozen. Yeah. <laughs> And he just kind of, he just kind of says like, Hey, you know, I'm John. Can I come in? And I, we were like, dude, uh, of course. yeah. <laughs> we were hanging out with him for like three hours. Wow. Crazy. Okay. It was crazy. Wow. We, we sang songs, songs <gasps> off of South Park. He showed us all the tattoos. We showed us, we showed him our tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Johnny, our bass player and John did like MMA together. They were like, wow. Dude, it was like, that's incredible. It was like, we hung out with like one of the most important guitar players, like in the history of like blues and rock. And, yeah. Yeah. And he was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. That sounds like a fever dream. Like, yeah. that doesn't sound like reality. <laughs> right. That is so, so cool. No, no one believed me the next uh, day. Ah, okay. At the lesson place where I gave lessons and nice. music shop. They're like, no way. And I'm just like, oh, okay. I, I don't know. What to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe you. Yeah. I, believe I you. totally believe you. And that's yeah. incredible. Man. Thank you. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Joe, you've, you've been doing music for years, uh, starting with uh, Beloved, which is a band we, we mentioned, as well as Advent and Torn, and yeah. then playing with The Almost. And I'd love to kind of hear just a little bit about how you, you got into music in the first place. Like, what, what were some of the, the key events that caused you to pick up playing drums and, and start playing in bands? I started just like so many other people start especially if you're if you are a believer in America if you belong to a church a lot of times there's a there's an installed uh youth worship team or there's a mm -hmm. musicians at your church and you're just kind of paying attention and I don't necessarily know if I was called <laughs> I can't get into that language but I was definitely uh just a kid who wanted to play drums and I somehow I started in school with the whole, you know, playing drums in school. And then okay. the youth pastor found out that I played drums and mm -hmm. I ended up making it on the, on the, the worship team. The worship, uh, the team. worship team. <laughs> yeah. And I started there and then I connected with, uh, actually the, the, the guy who is the drummer of Advent. Now his dad was like a traveling Christian musician, actor guy. Who oh, had wow. Like his little, kind of backwoods like uh ministry mm -hmm. and super cool he's done a lot of really big things too he's he's one of the best musicians i know his name yeah. is barry but uh he took me out on my first traveling things and then and then i met some kids in a youth group who were into like punk and heavy music like myself cool. but they were into like christian music i didn't even know that that like existed yeah, <laughs> yeah. like believed what I believed, but sounded really cool. So all the mm. strong arms overcome sure. the planes, right. blended head, like all that no innocent stuff, victim, all that stuff. Yeah. I heard stuff for the first time and, and my friend Josh Deaton's like bedroom, his bedroom was covered in posters of all these like solid state and REX records mm -hmm. posters. And, and, uh, I just thought that I was always going to have to hide like Pantera albums in my, yeah listen to the music and prove to them via the lyric sheets that, Hey, this is some good music, you know? Yeah. So, so I, I started there and then just found out about shows actually through Josh and his brother, that there were actually shows like that happening where I lived. And yeah, from there, you know, you just, what do you do when you're, when you're finishing up high school, you're watching all these other guys in bands, mm -hmm. you can play your instrument, you find other kids at your school and then you just start, start bands and beloved started in high school and it took us a while to figure out what we even wanted to sound like. I mean, we mm -hmm. went through a couple of phases before we even fully wrote a song, you know, yeah. like really, really bad stuff. In fact, <laughs> some stuff at least I still have trouble with, but I'm not going to call it bad, but it was young and, yeah. but we started just like anybody else did high school kids, in punk into punk and hardcore and mm. settled on a style and we just kind of played it and and there was something that we believed that like was the foundation of you know there were two whys but i think this why is what lasted longer the why was who we believed in you mm. know so um yeah it lasted longer than us just wanting to be in a band and you're right so so cool yeah and i love that you mentioned that and beginning in the youth ministry and the student 
ministry worship, because I feel like a lot of us find ourselves and our musical skills refined in that setting. You know, I, yeah. I feel like part of my job is to actually disciple students who play in the worship band for uh, middle school and high school and right. yeah. the college that's age awesome. people. So I feel like that's such a really critical point for kids so and for young adults and it's it's a really great opportunity for people to uh, practice their skills and and really yeah. discover their musical taste and and just their their abilities and so uh since you mentioned that i wanted to ask how did you become a christian were you always uh involved in the church did you grow up in the church so i was raised in the same church that i work at now is the church that i was raised in and oh. I think from a really young age, my mom can recall this well, and I think I can recall certain memories, but she said that from the time I was young, I was like, you know, my dad took us on a big fishing trip. What was I doing the whole time? I was trying to get the two guys who were like, I don't know what they call it, like the charter, the charter fishermen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Carter boat. Mm -hmm. I was trying to introduce, I was trying to get them saved the whole time. Wow. <laughs> You're like a little, little evangelist, evangelist, man. Yeah. Like five years old, you know, so there was always something there and it never felt weird or foreign or forced. And somehow mm. I made it from five to 10 to the really awkward year at 15 mm -hmm. to 20. And, um, I think about it every once in a while, but it really is a blessing to, to, to look back and say, Hey, I've, I've been in a family that was rooted in a local church. Mm -hmm. I found friends there and we built our life, not just around, you know, fleeting trends or religious, just religious practices in themselves. But we, we built life around relationship mm -hmm. and around truth, mm -hmm. biblical truths. And, and that just carried me, my entire life at this point. So, uh, wow. yeah, so I was a church kid, but I loved all the bad kids. All the bad kids always wanted to be my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was too scared not to be their friend. Yeah. Right? journey is so interesting because I think you were growing up in a in a slightly earlier era than me but it, it parallels a lot of my story because I was growing up in like the MySpace era so <laughs> so like I got my start in the church band like I that was the first band band I played in yeah. um, but then on MySpace I, I started going to local shows and it was kind of a similar thing where I thought you had to be like guns and roses to play a concert. I didn't realize you could like anybody could just form a band. You and could just do it. And, and more than that, like you could just play a show in like somebody's house and, and it yeah. could still be cool. And so yeah. like freshman year of high school, this guy in my gym class gives me a flyer to a local show at that venue, the porch where I broke my foot. Yeah. And, um, and so I went and it was, it was all local bands and none of them were even hardcore bands, but, but I added all the bands on MySpace. And then I looked at their top eight and I added every band in their top eight. And you kind of just go down this rabbit hole of top eights mm -hmm. until eventually you end up in like music with screaming. And, and it scared me at first, man. It scared the crap out of me. I was like, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to listen to this or not. Yeah. I feel like I'm sinning. And it was bands like Zayo and Living Sacrifice and, um, yeah. and, and Strong Arm. And, and I felt like yeah. 
I, I feel like I'm disappointing my parents by listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but then I read the lyric sheet and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. they're, they're talking about Jesus. And, wow. and I Family can do both. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I guess a, a, a question that, that I would have out of that is like, what were some of the what were some of the gateway bands for you? I know you've mentioned some of them as strong arm, but but what were if you had to list two or three that really got you into like the the heavier music world? What what would you list as your big influences? Some of them were probably really bad. I'll just name the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, all of the early tooth and nail heavy bands before they had solid state, unashamed, overcome. Uh, I'm not sure if NIV was there. I think they were more face down. I think they were, yeah, mm-hmm. California. Yeah, but I mean, I remember NIV, but Strong Arm for sure. Strong mm-hmm. Arm was a huge one. I have Living Sacrifice, two words from a Living Sacrifice song on my hand, and so they were one of the first yeah. bands that um, that I I was laughing with Matt from Beloved. I was like, dude, I remember when I called your house and left the first minute and a half of reborn empowered on your voicemail at your house where you didn't hear <laughs> that was the only way you could show, you know, you can't play songs on the internet back then. So right. I just like held it up to the speaker. I was like, dude, you got to hear this. <laughs> so it was like, it was like probably strong arm living sacrifice and Zayo was huge. Nice. Yeah. So the splinter shards album. And then, um, where blood and fire yeah. spring rep that album holy moly between here and here yeah dude this i mean that like blew my world away and i would lock <laughs> myself in my room and those kind of bands would i mean it changed my life so yeah yeah <laughs> it's part of me down the long road <laughs> to where i'm at <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I, I wanted to ask, was there for you growing up in the youth ministry or playing in the student band and being involved in church culture? Do you think there was ever like a tension between like your church life and then your life outside of that in within like the hardcore community? Because I feel like, I don't know, heavy yeah. music doesn't always really jive with church culture. Right. So like when people find out Travis is in a band, they're like, oh, yeah. wow, that's yeah. is it, not is churchy it a, at all. Is it a praise band? And I'm like, there, there's a lot of screaming. Yeah. There's a lot of screaming. You wouldn't like it. Right. Yeah. So I, I was wondering for you, do you feel like there's ever been some sort of tension there or kind of like a, you know, having to walk that line between balancing church life and music, right. life, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, going back earlier to the conversation of like everything that I know, like when you're out on tour and that's your life while you're out there, I mean, you have to be dialed in. You know, there's a there's the element of everything going on back home and you're mm-hmm. staying attached to these relationships. I'm married while I'm doing most of my touring, you know, mm-hmm. like so I do have that. But when you're out on tour and you're like you're doing that and you're in a hardcore band, everything re- revolves around that two hour show or that mm-hmm. two or three hour show that's happening. And what's happening during that show? There's a lot of loud music but also all the spillage from the all the reactionary stuff there's fights there's all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. so the tension of just like what happens at a at your average hardcore show mm-hmm. and what happens in youth group is very different right yeah, <laughs> different worlds totally so when you're bringing your first metalcore band in to record your demo in the youth room but the youth pastor doesn't know what the metalcore band's about or who's <laughs> going to be there there's some instant tension so we sure yeah <laughs> 
we I remember we recorded our first four song like tape demo in in the youth room of the church, and I was so nervous the whole time because I was like, if the <laughs> if the youth what is what was his name Pastor if Pastor Terry comes in <laughs> and Pastor Terry sees David Stith and any word comes out of David Stith's mouth, the fact that I'm hanging out with someone who Pastor Terry wouldn't he wouldn't approve of, yeah. <laughs> Or maybe a bad word would come out of David's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, you know, I brought those people into places that other people saw as sacred, like the other youth group kids or the people at the church. I brought them into our church spaces. Mm. But that was naturally, it was weird because that was what my heart cry was, but I wasn't doing it intentionally. I wasn't saying like, mm. I'm going to bring them into the church so that I can get them saved. I'm bringing <laughs> them into the church because this is the place that I've spent most of my life. And this is the place that I'm offering for us together to work creatively. So mm-hmm. I'm bringing them into where I feel at home. And so I did feel tension from people just in those moments that I can look at. But as far as a lifestyle, I mean, the whole, it seems absolutely contradictory in some ways. But mm-hmm. when we look at the life of Jesus, you know, the people that he got confused with, not that he wasn't confused, but the people that were looking mm-hmm. in, towards Jesus's life, they were confusing him with the hardcore kid and the punk rock kid right. and the drunk and the, you the know, glutton and yeah. Right. Yeah. So I've never, it's never been an issue. It's like gone over my head so mm-hmm. much that it was like, Oh, I just love hardcore and I just love Jesus. And somehow not trying to do either in some kind of trite way, like, it was just real life for me. That mm. was real life on both ends. Yeah. But it never felt like one end or the other for me. So sure. I could try to make it one without intentionally knowing I was trying to bring it together. You know, right, I mean, it was right. just, that's a hard question to answer, but I think it's very, and I probably didn't even answer the question. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. No, I, and, and the thing that I appreciate, uh, like, especially when I look at the lyrics for a band like Advent, um, we were, yeah. we were reading the lyrics to uh revival right before this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the the beauty of a band like Advent is that it, I mean, it is just ruthless musically. Like it, like you just want to beat the snot out of somebody when you listen to it, but you read the lyrics and it's, it's very explicitly gospel centered. It's explicitly Christian and it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel cheesy. Like it doesn't feel like you're, it doesn't feel like you're trying to make a cool Christian hardcore band. It just feels like you're a Christian who loves punk rock and, and these things naturally come together. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, and so it doesn't feel like there's a, a divide in your life. It's just who you are. And that's one of the things I've always appreciated about the music you produce is that wow. it, it doesn't feel like you're forcing one world right. into another world. You're just being who you are. Yeah. So I think that that's actually a perfect answer. I think that it doesn't have to be one or the other. It's It can be naturally both. So That's just the way it's happened in my life. I have no other like way to say it other than that. It's just I'm 38 and I've been doing it for like, 25 years like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on the other side of things, I know like obviously punk culture, hardcore culture, metal, metal culture, it's um sometimes religion and especially Christianity is viewed with hostility uh, or, or at least suspicion. And so, uh, yeah. you know, I felt that tension before on my side of things. I'm curious for you, how did you navigate that tension of, of being uh, convictionally a Christian but kind of operating in a world where that isn't always accepted. I was just never shocked that people didn't understand Mm. Jesus because even as a Christian, 
I've been having to come to the place where I'm willing to let go of certain things um, in order to embrace more of what scripture is saying about Jesus day by day. Mm-hmm. So to look someone in the eyes who has no life context for what a real relationship with Jesus looks like shouldn't be shocking to us as believers. And we can't hold people to a standard that have never been held to the standard of the word before personally in their lives and people that have been burned. It's a different thing. So you get plenty of conversations with kids who say, I used to be this, or I used to be a Christian, or I just don't believe in God. And they think they're shocking me. They think somehow they're, they're, putting me in an uncomfortable spot. And I just Mm. never, I valued their relationship. I tried to value each conversation and each relationship in order to maybe cross the bridge of misunderstanding in a way that was um, contextualized Jesus in the moment for them. Mm. So Mm. misunderstanding is just, has done all of us a lot of, not a lot of good, I guess a lot of harm, but also in the way where I know that each person has to make a decision for themselves to believe in the gospel, to right. believe in what Jesus has done and his, and the work, the work of his life, the work of his death and, and ultimately the victory of his resurrection, what that means for us. Mm. That's their responsibility. But I've just never held people to a standard that wasn't, um, that if they've never been in a relationship before with Jesus, I don't have to right. worry about holding to some standard. Right. And so he's never made the conversations and the, and the juxtaposition of Jesus versus hardcore difficult for me. I don't know. Mm. I, hope I, I hope I didn't just butcher that for you. No, but, no. no that was great. Um, relationship is important. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh, and totally. just be kind and, and just willing to build a bridge for someone in order to understand Christ more, I think is are some of our best work that we can do. Yeah, mm. Absolutely. So I think one of the things that you said here that was really important is that um, you've got people who've been both burned by the church or have misconceptions. And I think it's important, one, to be willing to acknowledge, like, yeah, there's been a lot of harm that has been done by Christians to people who don't know Jesus and to people who do know Jesus. But I also think it's important to be willing to kind of stand in the gap and and probably... um, bear the brunt of somebody's frustration about the church, even when you weren't a part of the church right, that did the right. damage. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I talk to people all the time who have been really hurt by some other church that I had nothing to do with, mm-hmm. but in some sense I am bound to them because we're all part of one body. And yeah. so if, if some church over here hurt somebody and, and that hurt person is coming to me, I kind of have to be willing to, to have those hard conversations so right. that people can see Jesus. That was really well said. <laughs> I wish I could say it like that. <laughs> I, I think you did though. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I think that's that's that was exactly kind of what you're getting at. And so I just love that that's been your mentality in kind of operating in these circles. Yeah. So I I wanted to ask you. So you are currently working in full time ministry. You are a middle school pastor, correct? Yeah. That's incredible. Middle schoolers are so much fun. I, I get to work with a lot of really awesome middle schoolers. And so, um, I love it. And so since you are in full-time ministry, I wanted to ask, how do you balance the, the music life and work life? Because beloved is back together and Advent is you guys play 
not a whole lot, right? No, nah, not really that much. But I mean, and I right now COVID has kind of ruined Nobody's the music world. Right now, yeah, yeah, touring oh, and all that. COVID yeah. has kind of ruined it all. But um, whenever you do prepare to uh, tour again or to play shows again with um, the bands, how how do you balance that between full time ministry and your music life? So the head pastor of the church is his son is like a. Uh, is a profession. Our, our teaching pastor is a professional fisherman. Wow. So cool. Okay. A lot doing, um, you know, fishing stuff. We have other people on our team who go to Nashville and write with country people. And we have a couple wow. worship leaders who are very much um, in the worship writing circles and lots of people who are doing other things. And our, our pastor as long as we are respecting all of our duties right. and we are um, holding ourselves accountable on the time that we spend in ministry and all that kind of stuff that goes along with that, he wants us to pursue the things mm. that, you know, that we are passionate about yeah. and that would draw people to Christ, you know? So yeah. and that way our leadership is very supportive. So just in a very practical way, Hey, all I got to do is two weeks notice and I can, right. <laughs> but no, but more than that, more than that, but actually balancing the life is, um, most of the guys in, in beloved, uh, I mean, we're all adults. So it's like, mm-hmm. we're all, we've all come to the place where now, like we're just balancing all of our duties. Yeah. So when it was just me and Johnny and Advent that were, married or just a few of us in beloved that were like had relationships. It was hard because the single guys mm. and the married guys were always like single guys were like, dude, let's tour forever. I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. tour ten and a half months out of the year. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> like, well, I guess I will too, but I just think there might not be anything left for me at home when I come right, back. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? So like we, I don't know. We just all come up together and mutually we all mm. have responsibilities. So we just, we're just respectful sure, of everyone yeah. in the band and everyone's schedule and the fact that it's just not easier uh, as adults to just drop everything. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the life stage that I'm in, plus great leadership at the place that I work, mm-hmm. has helped to um, balance that naturally. Yeah. So it's not really been a struggle. That's, cool. That's good. Yeah. I feel like we have a yeah. very similar situation too. our senior pastors are incredibly cool and they are yeah. always pretty cool with you. Just yeah. letting them know yeah. when you're going to be on a show yeah. somewhere far away. Unfortunately, they've had a full year off from that. <laughs> so right. Right. Or almost a year off with COVID. Almost. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I was going to ask you, I, I feel like a lot of the folks that grew up, a lot of people who are Christians who get involved in hardcore and punk, especially recently have gone through this process uh, that a lot of people are calling deconstruction where they start to kind of pick their faith apart. And I heard it like 10 seconds before you said it. I was like, I know where he's going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think about this all the time. I mean, mm. it's, it, I mean, you, you know it, man, it's, it's widespread. And, and I think a lot of people are going through it or have gone through it. Um, uh-huh. ha- have you had a similar experience there? I, I mean, obviously you're still involved in the church and a lot of people don't darken the doors of a church anymore after that. Yeah, I can tell you I've had, I mean, I have countless friends, just like I'm sure you do, that have been through that. And honestly, 
when you sit down across from the table and you catch up with a friend who's been through that and they tell you everything that's happened and why they're at the point that they're at, it's hard to cast blame on someone who has, who is sitting in that life stage of, I don't know if I ever want to come back. Mm. I don't know if I even belong or I don't even know if I believe I'm definitely not there. And I've never really, I've never been there, but yeah. I tell you what, man, this whole deconstruction thing, like I've, I think I've convinced myself that I was going through seasons of that when honestly I just was that God was revealing himself in a deeper way. And I was having to let go of some really shallow understanding of God in a certain Mm. aspect. And Mm. so I've tried to be faithful, faithful my entire life of pursuing the word without trying to strong arm the word into believing what into interpreting what I wanted it to say. Yeah. Right. So I've known that there's a lot of, I believe there's a lot of mystery. I believe there's so much about God that we'll, we'll never fully understand until we see him face to face. And we know that, you know, but I've never been through it myself, but I've had plenty of friends who have been there and I have a lot, I've tried to have a lot of grace and a lot of compassion for people who Mm -hmm. are in that, that place. And, um, what's funny is a lot of friends that I think they'll sit across from the table and they'll say, dude, I'm not even sure if I even believe this anymore. And then five minutes later in conversation, I'm like, dude, but you're speaking, you're speaking gospel to me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe God just wants you to have one more conversation or just maybe this is, I, I don't know. It's really hard to, I'm actually in the middle of trying to figure a lot of this out right, right sure, now. Yeah. So I don't have words for it yet, but I, so funny you were about to say that. And I knew you were about to yeah. say that. I don't know if I'm ready. I, but there, one of my favorite scriptures, mm-hmm. I say this almost every time I get to talk to someone like this, but one of my favorite scriptures is 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Or it is, it is the salva- it is salvation, you know? Like, And then he goes on to talk about, you know, wisdom of the world and... Um, and the philosophers of this age and the things that we, we try to grasp so hard to understand. And I Mm. feel like where current modern trendy theology is, is making it really difficult for us to understand the ancient things of God because Mm. we're so wrapped up in some things that I think Mm. maybe we don't need to get lost in. So, man, I think that's, that's absolutely true. And, um, yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm thinking through it myself. You know, I think I would say I went through a season where I struggled with a lot of stuff and came yeah. out on the other side. Uh, yeah. Obviously still, uh, I mean, I, I say obviously, like I didn't leave the church over it. Right, um, right. You know, right. I, I think there's some things theologically that changed for me. Uh, but man, I still believe the gospel and I still believe the Bible is true and, and still believe, um, still believe in Christianity. But yeah, I think uh, people in ministry right, right now are going to be dealing with a lot of that. It seems oh, like yeah. it's like a tidal wave. Of, of people who are going through that. So definitely. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Maybe kind of, as we wrap up our, our conversation, uh, just one more question I would have for you. Um, I know for me growing up in like hardcore and punk, I feel like there was a lot that I took from that that has helped me do ministry better. Uh, I'm wondering, is there anything that you've taken from kind of uh, the musical side of your life that you've brought into doing ministry with middle schoolers and then also have any of your middle schoolers found your bands on accident <laughs> and stumbled across 
anything like that? Uh, well, you know, back in the day, we used to call them pit bosses. You know, the guys that were uh, <laughs> yeah. running around and beating everybody up in the pit. There's really yeah. nothing you could do about it. A lot of middle schoolers are like those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're just going around. They're wrecking other people's lives. They're messing up their own life because they're so misunderstood. And all they really are <laughs> is just a big teddy bear. And they yeah. just want to hug. And uh, yeah. they just try to talk to. And so I've just tried to never be scared of any conversation because mm. I've had to, you know, when you're staring at somebody that's holding a baseball bat in front of you and they're about to, they want to, you know, beat you up, bat yeah. your head in. Yeah. Middle schoolers are easy after that. Yeah. It feels a lot like a middle schooler who's asking about, you know, something that they're going through. It feels kind of similar in a way, except sure, minus yeah. the baseball bat. But, right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, I just like people and I don't mind their problems because mm. I know God has continuously given me grace and um, man, he's been so merciful in my life to bring me, to bring me back out of the pit, to bring me back out of the pit, to bring me to mountaintops and even through valleys. And so middle mm. schoolers go through a lot of that kind of stuff and they're mm. so misunderstood and they're honestly not a lot of people like doing ministry to middle schoolers because it's such an awkward age. Yeah. And the first time you ever bring someone to a hardcore show, they feel like they, they watch something that they weren't supposed to watch. You know, they're <laughs> like, what, what is, is this? this? Hide out, you know, like the foot clan, what's going on? I don't <laughs> know. So you're like, ah, this is kind of, you know, a really rough hardcore show. It just feels like a night at youth group, middle school. So I don't know. That's how I like to compare it. Yeah, totally. And that's awesome. Bunch of bullies, and you're just trying to like get them to get along for a yeah. little. <laughs> Contain. Yeah, contain. Gosh, Joe, thank you so much for agreeing yes. to sit down and talk with us, yeah. and just talk a little bit about uh, music and faith and following Jesus in the midst of it. So glad to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of The Stone Table. If you enjoyed this conversation with Joe as much as we did, do us a favor and rate and subscribe. That helps us to get the word out. Also, we would love to hear from you. So if you've got questions or a topic you'd like to see covered on the show, send us an email at thestonetable at baylife.org or follow us on Instagram and send us a message. For Baylife Church, I'm Travis. This is The Stone Table. Real quick, I left the stove on and I'm smelling it. I'm gonna go turn that oh off. Oh my gosh, yeah. I went. <laughs> Two seconds. <laughs> oh no. So the house is not on fire. That's uh, great I'm happy news. Happy to report. Uh, it's a little smoky in there. Um, awesome. So I think we made the right call by pushing pause for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. glad you remembered.